A friend of mine recently sent me a link to a news article about three kids who were struck and killed by a car while they were trying to get onto their school bus in Indiana. Uh, the driver didn't do it maliciously. Uh, she made a huge mistake. She was actually a, a children's ministry director at a local church. Uh, my friend asked me, how do the parents of the children move on from that? Um, how does the driver move on from that? That's a tough question. Um, I, truthfully, uh, I, I think of the fact that God certainly knew that it was happening. It, we, we, God is not to blame for anything evil, but he did allow it to happen. I, I think of my sister Erica, who was killed by a drunk driver while she was in college. Um, I, was, I was a high schooler at the time. That was tough to go through. I mean, that was my big sister. Uh, but th throughout the years, um, a, a passage has given me a lot of comfort from Isaiah chapter 57. It says this, The righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And that's an important thing to remember at times like these. My number one goal as a Christian parent is for my children to be in heaven, period. This passage says that sometimes God actually takes his children home early in our eyes to make sure that that happens. Take my sister. Maybe God was guarding her from something awful that was going to happen in her life. Maybe God knew that there was going to be something that would rob her of her faith and so he took her before that could happen to make sure that she made it to heaven. The truth is I can't tell you why God allows certain things to happen in every circumstance. We simply need to trust him. But what we do know is this. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God cares about each of his children. What we do know is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves each one of us. What we do know is this. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God is in control of the evil and he works it for our good. So how do the parents move on? Well, they cry. Uh, they pray knowing that the God who hears them can also sympathize with them. God knows what it's like to lose a child too. They surround themselves with their Christian family who will wrap them up in their love and encourage them and help carry their burden. They wait patiently for the Lord's deliverance, even if that deliverance doesn't come until they see their loved ones again in heaven. How does the driver move on? Well, in much the same way. She cries, she prays, knowing that she prays to a God who says that because of Jesus' sacrifice for her, he doesn't remember her sins. She needs to hear again and again what God says about her in his word. You are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And finally, for all involved, we need to unleash the powerful word of God, which we know will not return to him empty, but will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And pray with me now uh, for all of those who are experiencing darkness in this world. Dear Jesus, for all who are suffering loss, we ask you to fill them with the joy you alone can give. Remind them of your love. Remind them of your plan to bring your children home to heaven. Use us to bring them comfort in their darkness. Amen. How do we answer the darkness of this world? On a Wednesday night in November, a 28-year-old man, a gunman, walked into the Thousand Oaks uh, 
in the Thousand Oaks, California, into the Borderline Bar on college night filled with people. He ended 12 lives before taking his own. Unfortunately, that's nothing new. In this country alone, there's an average of one mass shooting per day. It's a sad illustration of the Bible's um, compa comparison between grass and the fragility of human lives. Um, our lives are like grass. You mow your lawn one day and the grass clippings in the driveway are green, the next day they're brown. We are like grass, but we're not grass. There is something good and godly about the anger over something like the Thousand Oaks shooting because God is angry. But it's not just with mass shooters that God is angry. This is what Moses says in Psalm 90. He says, If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. I mean, just, just think of it. If only we knew how God, angry God was when you clicked that website that made someone's daughter, God's daughter, do unspeakable things. If only we knew God's anger because he sees the tears that your high school friend still cries. If only we knew God's anger over the people who, who heard the, the, the hurt and the pain and the rage of that shooter but said nothing. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Just try to picture that. Now add up all of, the, all of the praise and worship and song that our world owes to a God for his perfect love. Could you count it all up? His anger is no less. That's terrifying. I, I don't know what to do with that. But here's what God does. Moses goes on to say this. He says, Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. His answer is that he loves us. Some people will ask, you know, how, where is God when, when evil things are happening in the world? Well, God has an answer for that. His name is Jesus. In Jesus, God becomes us. As true God, Jesus has no beginning and no end, and yet he chose to take a beginning by being in the, the, the womb of a virgin named Mary. Jesus looked at this world of suffering and he wanted to be near us. He saw our hurt and he wanted to take it away. That's compassion. And he knew the only way he could do that was to suffer and die on a cross for our sins. The righteous one suffered for your unrighteousness and mine. That Jesus was judged guilty so that you would be judged innocent. And as hard as it is, and as much as it breaks our hearts and God's, God allows sinful people to do sinful things all the way up until the day when he comes again because he wants us to hear about our forgiveness and live. That's God's answer to the darkness. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, teach us your anger over sin but also your unfailing love by taking it away. Use us to reflect that love in a dark world. Amen. How do you get to know someone? By staring at their picture and memorizing their name? No, you, you use words, right? You have a conversation and then you feel comfortable saying, you know what? I know them. Well, how do we get to know God? <laughs> the Apostle John in the Gospel of John 
uh, calls Jesus the Word of God. We get to know God the same way. Uh, he, he, he says something profound in such simple words. He says, the Word became flesh. So if you want to know God, if you want to know how God feels about you, then just look at Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, well, I know all that already, but do we? What is the first question we ask when something bad, when something dark happens in our lives? Well, if God loves me, then how can he be letting me go through this? Why would he put me through this? We want to come up with this logical, rational reason for how a loving God could allow something bad to happen to us. And the truth is, I can't give you that reason. I don't know why. I, I can't give you a, a logical reason why losing your job and having to max out your credit is God showing his love to you. I can't give you a, a logical reason for why your child was born with that particular set of difficulties and how that's evidence of God's love for you. I, I can't give you a logical argument how God is showing his, his eternal love to you when you get in a car accident or, or, or when a loved one dies too soon or if you're struggling with a mental disorder, or if your kid just doesn't get potty training. But we still try. We want to come up with this logical reason why God is allowing this to happen. And sadly, when we go down that path, the only conclusion we can come to is a bumper sticker I saw recently that, that said, God is not dead. He just doesn't want to get involved. The truth is this. We do not get to know God through logical human reasoning. We only get to know God through Jesus. And that's the cool thing about how um, John talks about Jesus in his gospel. He calls him the word. The Greek word for that is logos. It's where we get our word logical from. Do you see the point? If you want to get to know God, it doesn't come through human logic. It comes through Jesus. Jesus is the logic of God. You want to know God loves you? Well, God doesn't give you a logical um, argument. He gives you a person. If you want to know how God feels about you, if you want to know if God loves you, then take a look in the manger and see the hand that flung the stars into the sky, gripping the finger of his mother Mary. Just look at the cross. It doesn't come through logical reason. It comes in his moaning and his sighing, in his groaning and in his dying. I can't tell you why something happened to you, but I can give you the reason it's not. It's not because God doesn't care about you. But my problem is not that I can't figure out the why. It's oftentimes that I'm not looking at Jesus enough. If you want to know God, just look at Jesus. Then you'll see God's logic in the darkness. This week, we're looking for light in the darkness. Uh, yesterday, we heard the Apostle John call Jesus the Word of God. He goes on to say, In the beginning was the Word. Through him all things were made. So John takes us all the way back to creation. Actually, he takes us to before creation. Go 10 billion light years from here uh, to a place so far away that the Hubble will never see it because it's just too far. You're going to see all these stars and planets and solar systems that no one will ever see. Jesus made all that. That's how powerful he is. This is mind-blowing. The Word became flesh, soft as a baby. The, the, the Almighty became weak. The Omnipresent became tiny. The, 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 the Immortal became killable. 
Not only is that beyond my comprehension, but it also doesn't seem like a very good battle plan, does it? I mean, you, you look at all of the evil that is in this world. I, I think of the Las Vegas massacre that, that robbed 59 people of their lives and injured hundreds more. There, there are Ebola epidemics, uh, mall shootings, the threat of ISIS, so much darkness. Wouldn't it be better if Jesus came in with guns blazing? Well, John explains. He says here, the light shines in the darkness. You see, the real problem with our world is not the guns and the bombs and the terrorists. The real problem is the darkness. Uh, taking out evil doesn't really accomplish anything. It just, evil will just come back in another form. You, you take out the Taliban and what happens? ISIS comes back in its place. Uh, you outlaw prostitution and the evil comes back in the form of pornography on the internet. Eliminating evil is not the answer. Eliminating darkness is the answer. Ripping the darkness out of people's hearts that make them do the evil things. It's where Jesus says evil comes from, uh, from inside of the heart. And in case you missed it, he's talking about your heart and mine. If Jesus came back with guns blazing, there'd be nothing and no one left. And so Jesus came, not to be crowned, but to be crushed. He came um, not, to, uh, not to be served, but to serve. Uh, he came not to put evildoers in the grave, but to put evil itself in the grave, which is exactly what he did uh, by suffering and bleeding and dying on a cross outside of Jerusalem. That Jesus did not come in might to be served, but he came in weakness to serve you by taking care of your greatest problem, the darkness inside of you. You see, that's what happens when light hits darkness. The darkness can't exist. When the light of Jesus shined in your heart, when he worked faith in your heart, your sin had no choice to be, but to be forgiven. Forgiven, forgotten, forever. That's what happens when light hits darkness. The darkness is destroyed. Today is the last day that we're considering the light in the darkness of a broken world. Open up to Psalm 90. It is the one psalm written by Moses in the book of Psalms. In it, Moses is honest about God's anger over sin and the wickedness of man. He's also honest about God's compassion for sinners and his unfailing love. Moses would know. Moses got to see God. Moses was given by God the first prophecies to record about the coming Savior. But God also showed Moses something else. He showed him the day that he was going to die. You see, Moses had led the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert and they had come right up to the point of getting into the Promised Land. They were right at the border. And God told Moses that he wasn't going to be the one to lead his people into the Promised Land. Instead, he, it was time for him to go to heaven. So Moses said goodbye to his people that he loved and had guided as his own children in the desert for those 40 years. And then he went to die. But before he died, God did something awesome for him. He took him up onto a top of a mountain that overlooked the Promised Land called Mount Nebo. And there he showed Moses everything that he was going to give to his people through Moses' work, um, through, through all those years marked with pain and sin and death. And as he looked, he saw the promised land. 
a land filled or flowing with milk and honey. Uh, he saw the streams and the rivers. He saw the, the fields and the flocks. He saw the very place where God would bring the Savior of the world forth for his people, for you and for me. He saw his whole life's work was going to mean something. And as Moses closed his eyes in death, he knew that what he did in this life, it mattered. Well, sit with Moses on the top of Mount Nebo for a moment and listen to him as he prays. He says, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Unless Judgment Day comes first, you're going to die. So am I. The houses that we've built may come down. The bank accounts that we've filled to the top may bottom out. And you know what? That's okay because eternity with Jesus is better than anything we have here. You know, I've had the, the privilege of spending a lot of time with people who knew they were dying but who knew their Savior and knew that they were going to heaven. For as much as we talk about some of these topics now, uh, when I'm talking to them, they don't talk much about um, how nice their houses are and how they love them. And they don't talk much about how their bank accounts are doing well or the great vacations that they took. No, instead they talk about the joy that they have that they're going to be in heaven with their loved ones. See what really matters in your life. See what makes your life really matter. See your children telling their children about the love of their Savior. See the house of worship that you supported with your prayers and offerings, filled with people you've never met and will never know, but who are all there and who are all fellow saints because of the work that God has given us to do as his church, as his people. See the last day when God will gather all his saints together into the true promised land. See that and you'll see God's compassion. See that and you'll see what lies beyond the darkness. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. I know you're busy and you've already given us your time and you're ready to grab your phone and check your apps, but could you do us one huge favor and rate and review this podcast? Because the more of you that rate and review, the more people who will hear about Jesus, and the more people that hear about Jesus, the better life gets with God. So thanks for taking some time. We pray you have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you soon.